Hi everyone, welcome to the Green Room. Uh, we are now on episode 18. Uh, I am here with my colleague Nick. Hi Nick, how are you? I am very well James, how are you? I am very well. I've Good. had an excellent week. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to ask you, how was your week? <laughs> it's been answer that. Thank you. It's been excellent. How are you getting on? It's good. The Cricket World Cup is is on. Yeah. Uh, so don't know any results yet. We had the football back on. I missed it. I have to say, uh, after the Premier League season finished, so uh, it was Champions League. Big game this weekend. Champions League to look forward to. Very nervous. By the time we do episode nineteen, 19 yeah, know the results. Probably. I don't want to say it because I don't. I, I can't. Yeah, don't get in trouble. But come on, Liverpool, we can do this. Yeah. In here, my strong Scouse accent. Mm. Um, right, what are we talking about today? So, uh, the title is The Truth About Nuclear Power. Right. Um, so, I feel it's going to be some hard truths, but... I feel on a green blog, a lot of people are going to find this a little bit controversial. They might do, yeah. Um, but I, I think it's just uh, it's a kind of prelude, a, a precursor of things to, to come, actually. So, um, I think the, the aim of today's episode mm. is just to kind of introduce nuclear power itself, talk a little bit about, um, I guess, the controversies, shall we say? Mm. Um, why What every time that um, it sort of gets publicly mentioned, it doesn't get much public support. Okay. Um, but then, and just kind of briefly, why why it's, it's, um, it's a credible energy source and why we shouldn't kind of discount it as well. Okay. Kind of other things. Sounds good. Sounds good. So if, if you're excited about listening to this, how... How would one listen to it? I mean, I do this every week. I'm trying to trying to encourage. It. We had a very successful week last week in terms of subscribers. The numbers jumped up, so we're looking good. So I think my reminders are useful. Mm-hmm. How Nicholas would you listen to the green room? So see, I've I've forgotten, but don't you worry uh, because every time I forget, <laughs> I go onto the Green Age website. So do I go you? www.thegreenage.co.uk. I scroll to the top. And next to the energy saving guides, to the right of it, it says our podcast. I click through and that goes, oh, you know, then I see mm. all, all the means. Of God, which that website's very quick, isn't it? It is quick. Mm. So you can find us on Apple iTunes, <laughs> TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, and obviously uh, Podbean, which is, the, um, which is the kind of method that we feed out on the website. And, that, and that's the podcast itself. If you like the, the more interactive, if you like the visual Things. I get it. I can see why you like the visual. Um, uh, so that's YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can you can find us on the front page. So um, if you go onto the Green Edge website front page, scroll down, you will see that the latest videos appear there. Or if you're on YouTube itself, you can find our channel uh, on YouTube itself. Okay, so that's the big sell. Right, so people can now listen to it. They can subscribe. They can listen to us on their commutes to work. So <clears throat> what is nuclear power? Oh, by the way, hold on. Just to introduce, we do have Harry here. Hello. She's yet to, she doesn't want to come on camera. She wants a, an air of mystique around her. Um, but she's here as well, so you will hear her charming. Uh, yeah, I say I'll be intelligent and, um, and, and enjoyable. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, what is nuclear power? Nuclear power, uh, in its simple terms, is a way of uh, generating lots of energy. Um, it is it is done by uh, a nuclear reaction. So. Um, in its onset, it's, it's got a fuel fuel type. Mm-hmm. Um, that that fuel majority of cases is uranium. So uranium is a um, is an element found in nature. So what we do is we extract that fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, we do some science stuff to it. So I, <laughs> in, in in kind of really simple terms, um, 
It's called uranium-235. We fire a neutron at it, make it very unstable. Mm. And when it's in its unstable format, it tends to react and release lots of energy. Okay. So that splitting of that reaction creates lots of energy. If we capture it, we then kind of release it by powering turbines and steam, and then kind of the conventional way of generating okay. electricity. Okay. And you should be a science teacher. I remember my GCSEs like... Uh, uh, all like these, the back of your hand. Yeah, exactly. Well, they were only like 10 years ago, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'd need to kind of remind myself all the time. But um, no, it's that. That's uh, it's uh, so it kind of relies on 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 the fuel itself. Um, the, the the positive elements of it are is relative to uh, to the amount of fuel uh, that you that you use. You can generate lots of electricity in one concentrated space to potentially power. Um, a lot of the en- energy use for that nation or, or country. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if we look at cases in Europe, France gets typically eight to nine, ninety percent of its energy from nuclear power. Mm. Um, whereas, so UK uh, a little bit less than that, probably about about uh, a fifth, fifth of it, um, plus minus depending upon you know what time of the season we're at. So, obviously, in the summer now we might be generating more from um, elements like solar and wind. Uh, but then, obviously, when we need it. We can just kind of up up it or, or decrease it as as we want it to. Okay, so so explain, I guess, or just like explain, or would you like to explain? Go on. What's the question? Base load electricity. Mm-hmm. So we have. Um, shall I just? You can. I'll fly through this bit. So basically, your, we uh, we forte. produce. Um, so in the UK, we have a, a, a energy mix, and it's all the different things that are producing energy. So as you said, we have solar, we have wind, we have gas, uh, we have nuclear. We don't have much coal anymore, um, and it's actually they've had a record number of sort of consecutive days where we haven't used any coal in our electricity mix. But as you say, about twenty percent of it is from nuclear. Now, the difference is obviously wind power only produces electricity when the wind blows. Solar only produces electricity when the sun is shining. We need to have a relatively predictable energy supply, energy generation within our energy mix, right? Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we know that at halftime of the Champions League game on Saturday, people will be rushing to the kettle to go and turn it on, yes. right? And at that moment, there'll be a big draw on electricity. Now, if the wind's not blowing and the sun has gone down, it may not have done by that stage, but if, it, you know, we're not producing electricity from these means, I need to know that when I press my plug on, I can pull electricity out. So nuclear is a really nice way to do that because it's very consistent. You know, it's producing the same amount of electricity and it's very, very easy to predict how much we're going to be getting at any one moment from it. The issues are that it is very difficult. You can't just turn it off. It's not like an electric switch. I can turn it's on It's got to off. be, yeah, it's got to be cooled. It takes a long time, mm-hmm. right? And so obviously they do go off from time to time because they need to fix the power plants and they need to, well, not fix, but maintenance on the power plants. But on the whole, these nuclear plants are just staying on and they're running. So what they provide, what's known as baseload electricity. So this is like a, the, if I'm running my nuclear on you know, all the time and it does 20% of our electricity mix, I've then got my wind and uh, solar, which fluctuate during the day. And then I've got my gas, which is, to be honest, what we produce most of our electricity from now. And that will, that can, obviously, it's a lot more easy to turn that on or off because you're either burning the gas or you're not burning it. And therefore, that allows you to tinker with the generation and therefore match what what people need, what people and businesses need in terms of their electricity. 
I was going to say it was quite interesting. So in the, in the 70s, before we discovered uh, large deposits of oil and gas in the North Sea, um, the, the, the commentators at the time all predicted a, a nuclear revolution. So i.e., you know, we would go with the direction of what France has gone to and just build kind of nuclear power stations all over mm. and then have um, storage energy, uh, uh, how do you say, things like storage heaters, which can take that base load at night, mm-hmm. store it and then distribute that heat um, during the day, hence why a lot of properties at the time had these kind of storage. But there, but there are issues. There are issues. I mean, going to France very quickly. They have so much nuclear going on, and you can't turn these power stations off at any stage, really. So when demand drops right down to nothing, they have a massive surplus of electricity, and they can't. They need to get rid of it essentially. Mm. So they are getting rid of it to neighbouring countries, and I think in we some cases. Some. We, we use some, but I think they're actually paying people to take the electricity because they can't get rid of it in any other way. So it's quite an interesting balance. And so in the UK, you know, we do have a mix, a whole mix, but in France, maybe they're too nuclear. Mm. Um, okay, so that's kind of describes based on how it works in our energy mix. Um, do you want to give us a bit of background on nuclear power in the UK, when it all started? So, uh, so, so Harry quite kindly prepared us a little brief with a few facts and figures. So thank you, Harry, for that. Uh, so first full-scale plant, 1956 in the UK. Um, so this uh, is an old technology now. Yeah, and, and it sort of very much came from um, that, that sort of era. I, I think it was, for me, looking at it, in my, my view, the, the way kind of scientists and people thought about it at the time was a very honourable way to basically use a, a fuel that like uranium for instance that you could extract um, and just generate a lot of electricity and they just thought that that's, that's a kind of a good way to um, power everyone's needs but then over time kind of controversies sort of took over um, but anyway just just um, so as you said um, 20% about 9 gigawatts sorry Giga? gigawatts, gigawatts no I like gigawatts. Uh, gigawatts they should uh, rename that word um, and uh, but most of them are sort of scattered in, in in England, I'd say. So Scotland doesn't have any nuclear power plants. Um, uh, and then the kind of the two two big uh, out of the big six, uh, Eon and EDF, seem to be having the um, the kind of the maintenance and, and, and that kind of. And EDF for the French company behind all of the yes. French nuclear, so they've got a lot of expertise. Okay. Um, so we've got uh, we've got some new nuclear power plants in the pipeline although you know every single time that they seem to announce these things because of the cost of it and mm-hmm. uh the way it's being rolled out in this country um certainly you know people looking at the costs and looking at the alternatives and the numbers are not stacking but, up. but so but first of all worth mentioning why we've got new nuclear so a lot of the power stations that we built are reaching the end of their kind of useful life essentially so uh, obviously you build these things for a, a finite period of time. They need to be replaced with new nuclear power plants. So obviously we can, as time goes on, maintenance of these things goes, goes up and up and up, right? And so what they're looking at doing, and if you look at the actual planned end of life of these nuclear plants, they're all kind of between 2025 to 35, right? So if you so imagine... So about a 35 to 50 year lifespan. Yeah, and if you but if you imagine that we're producing twenty percent of our electricity from nuclear, to suddenly for that to disappear over a ten year time frame means that we need to replace it with something. Um, and so, as you rightly say, the government are trying to build new nuclear plants. However, 
So I was going to say six planned, but I'm not sure whether that's going to be realised because every single time that, you know, uh, one or two look like they're going to, other than Hinkley Point C. Yeah. Um, but even the, that, there's the, no spade in the ground there, is there? Yeah. Um, funders or people, in, investors pull out. Yeah. So how are you going to say something? Uh, no, I was just going to say that um, I think three of them are kind of sitting, the, the plans for the, the six, uh, three of them kind of sitting around not really doing anything much, those plans. Two of them are still kind of battling to get a green light. And Hinkley is the only one at the moment that's really moving forward with any kind of momentum. And I, th- I think the, the issue there is that, so in order to build that power plant, they agreed a very, very high price. I think it was 875 Oh, there's a coffee machine. It's got a lot of sun. So I think they agreed a very high rate. Oh, this is going to be interesting. Anyway, let's just plow on. Plow on, yeah. New coffee machine in the corner. Yeah. There you go. It's gone <laughs> off now. Um, so, so they, but they agreed a very high strike price mm-hmm. for the electricity they're producing, and so now the unfortunate well number one future energy plants want the same kind of price i.e they're guaranteed a price for every unit of electricity they produce but it was at such a high rate other forms of electricity generation are much cheaper so it'd be cheaper to put in wind turbines Mm -hmm. the issue there is around intermittency so you are not producing electricity if the wind's not blowing whereas nuclear should be producing all the time so it's, it's kind of trying to get this mix but, right. Yeah, but we also, yeah, so we need that base load, as you said, just to kind of keep things at a steady level and yeah. making sure things in the background work okay. And if you if you don't have effective storage technology to release mm-hmm. um, stored wind power or solar, then it, you know, I can see it as an increasingly difficult way to meet the complexities of the demand of the future. Yeah, it's, um, it's a tricky one. I think, in, but in theory, you know, with your base load, you... Because the wind might not be uh, blowing and the sun might not be shining, you really need to match whatever your total capacity of of renewables. Yeah, you need mm-hmm. to match that with either gas or nuclear. I think it's fair. Yeah. Yeah, because it might not be happening, and if mm. suddenly peak demand goes up to whatever it is, and these things, you know, the sun not shining, wind not blowing, aren't happening, then you've got to produce that electricity from somewhere. Now, obviously, we can import it from other countries. But I think nuclear is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the, I think one of the biggest issues we're seeing right now is this new nuclear plant in Hinkley, Hinkley mm-hmm. C. Mm-hmm. They, you, when we started this blog, you know, Green Age blog in 2011... Yeah, it had already been in the pipeline about, for right? about 12 months. And so then it around finally 2010. got approval in 2015. Yeah. We're now 2019. It's gone nowhere. You know, they're mm. saying it's going to be producing electricity in 2025, this thing. And they literally haven't put a spade in the ground, as far as I'm aware. And so how is it going to be producing electricity in 2025? I think that's... Is 20, a 20 billion pounds, the cost. Which, you know, compared to a HS2, is relatively cheap. But let, let me not get started <laughs> on that. What's interesting about that 20 billion pounds, though, is that... Um, so because they're a private company and it's a risky project... Yeah. They um, got that twenty billion on a on a, a very inflated loan on a nine percent interest loan. If we had paid for it as a government, we could have got it on a one percent loan. So it's uh, it's interesting. That, surely the government haven't had a. Uh, I'm not going to be rude about them. Come on, let's try and go through a whole show. So shall we talk? <laughs> so shall we talk about why? So the next section, why nuclear power is so controversial. 
Yeah, I mean, that's it. so we, because I remember when we, as I said, when we first started with Green Age, we talk about, you know, lots of renewables and energy saving and that sort of side of things. We wrote about nuclear and we were, we number one got a huge amount of interest in the blog for that because mm-hmm. a lot of people were like, you can't include them in the same breath. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't say that nuclear is clean because it's not because it produces nuclear waste. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, if we're trying to decarbonize our energy generation, then actually it's kind of one of... It's emission-free. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, you know, let's start with why people so, like it or don't. Where do you want to go? And like this is, I'm, I'm probably, so let's go to dislike. So why it's controversial. So um, I'm too young to remember this event. So 1986, I think, Chernobyl. So Chernobyl was a nuclear power plant currently in Ukraine, but the old Soviet Union, and then where the reactor essentially collapsed on itself. I think those are the kind of facts around it. There's um, an amazing TV program on Netflix. No, it's on Sky. Okay. They just isn't it Sky Atlantic? I think so. I'm not advertising Sky here, but they've yeah. Um, they yeah apparently it's incredible. It's all about this and it's all about the reactor so, going off. But what my parents tell me is, so basically when, when that happened, a um, few days or, or weeks later, that the, the ash clouds from the, the power plant itself basically spread throughout the whole of Europe. Okay. Um, and e- even to parts of um, South <coughs> Wales, actually, it, the, the winds blew it all the way that far. You can actually look at the, um, uh, the, the statistics on that. But, Are you pointing at me because I'm Welsh? Uh, maybe. <laughs> um, but... Obviously, you know, if, if that's going to have such an impact on the European continent, that and the news and, and, the, and, and the horrors behind it would have stuck in many people's minds yeah, about the, uh, the negative things behind it. And then certainly the, the first people that went to obviously deal with the disaster, um, either some of them didn't sort of come back alive, but people that were in kind of surrounding areas that were affected um, statistically, you know, came back with impediments and, and health problems and things like that. So... Uh, I'll just uh, read a couple of things so that Harry wrote for us. So basically, there's about 28 deaths from... Only 28 deaths from acute radiation syndrome. So that's basically the straightaway deaths. That's quite a few. It's actually a lot less than people think. However, there's 16,000 people estimated to have got thyroid cancer from it. Right. Now that's interesting because thyroid cancer, um, if you can put a hierarchy on these things, obviously it's not great, but it's kind of one of the best cancers because its um, mortality rate is only about 1%. So of those 16,000 people that got it, only about 160 people are expected to die from it. Okay. That's it. Okay, so I mean, when you hear about it, you obviously hear much bigger numbers or that's what everyone assumes. Yeah. Okay, but I mean, still, I'm going to say far more than a wind turbine. You know what I mean? Like it's, well, mm. no. Okay, people falling from wind turbines. We'll go on to that in a minute. Um, okay, but, and then I was just going to say, so maybe what links to, to this is what what will most people remember is the tsunami in, in Japan. So that was a few years ago, and that yeah. was on the twenty four hour news cycle. So this is where we had a tsunami out in Japan, and there was a nuclear power plant in Fukushima, which was a couple of miles away from the coast or on the coast. I don't know quite the facts, but essentially, yeah, it was overwhelmed by the tsunami. Um, so a couple of numbers for that for you. Um, 20,000 people died because of the tsunami. No one died because of um, radiation to do with it. However, um, Japan basically did a really terrible job on the evacuation scheme. 
Um, so they were evacuating people because they were afraid of the radiation, yada, yada, yada. They did it so poorly and rubbishly, and also you shouldn't evacuate people in that situation anyway, it exposes them to a lot more radiation. And I think it's uh, 1,500 people died from that, kind of being pulled out of nursing homes, yada, yada, yada. Oh, okay. So it's kind of, um, Fukushima is actually kind of a, a um, study point for how not to react in that situation. But, um, there we go. There we go. So, so those are kind of the, for me, the kind of emotive sentiments and why so i think the fukushima with a lot of people um they remember um chernobyl before that so the kind of association of a okay so but but nuclear is dangerous that's what we're saying yes you know it's not like with a another power plant a coal power plant there could be a big fire but it's not go on you're going to tell me another fact here (laughs) i like numbers um so so basically it's not necessarily um uh, more dangerous it's actually theoretically less dangerous because of the um, the health effects that emissions have. Um, I can't remember what the year is, but they said that... Uh, oh, there it is. Um, uh, who, the um, World Health Organization, estimates that 7 million people die per year from air pollution. And uh, one guy, a good uh, scientist, he did a study, James Hansen, he's a climate change scientist, he did a study that basically said that... Uh, to date, and I think it was a couple of years ago, but he said that nuclear has saved 1.8 million lives. Saved them because it's reduced the amount of emissions. Okay, all right, so so maybe nuclear is greener than I thought. Okay, so I'm going to keep trying to argue that it's bad and then you keep putting me in my place. What about... <sighs> I've seen, you know, TV, the 24 programme, where they, they go and they take over the nuclear power plants and they want to explode them, and there must be a risk there. Uh, yes. That's a TV program. Okay, no, yeah. go on. Find that one. Um, okay, so um, at the moment <laughs> in the UK, we have a stockpile of 120 active warheads, um, which is very small if you compare that to the US, who have 6,800. Right. <laughs> so some of this is um, uh, So if you're worried about the power plant, you've got to also be worried about that. Um, yeah. We're actually one of five countries... Um, that are allowed both. Most countries, uh, if you want to have nuclear power, you have to say that you won't make weapons. Yeah. And it's actually a really interesting argument for nuclear energy because you have to prove that you're not using it in a bad way. Okay. This is another interesting things here. Okay. But um, I mean, so I, I, I mean, I'm gonna, you know, stop sitting on the fence and just say that. Um, with the current uh, design of nuclear power and the way the current technology works, I'm, I'm certainly not too much in favour of it. But with a lot of development and some of the scientific research and some of the um, uh, proofs of concepts that have happened, which we will talk about in the, in the future episodes, I am beginning to be swayed for nuclear power and, and its future capabilities. But what I would just say against the points against, and, and, and these are more kind of sad financial rather than based on health and all that stuff. So as we've seen with Hinkley Point C, in the current format, current technology in the UK, extremely expensive to construct. Mm-hmm. So 20 billion pounds yeah. for, for one. Um, secondly, so with the, the massive infrastructure and buildings and machinery and gizmos to run, you need a lot of buttons to push, a lot of people to run these things yeah. in the current format. So therefore, again, quite complex to run. And thirdly, the point you've made, uh, nuclear waste in its current format um, has a has a lifespan of radio 
activity mm-hmm. of about 10,000 years. So, you know, who, who, who is then responsible for, you know, uh, maintaining that waste for, you know, beyond yeah. the next few thousand years? So for me, those are the arguments against. Um, but maybe now we should just talk about the arguments for. Well, I think the arguments for are, number one, you're not producing CO2s, you're not producing the main, you know, greenhouse gas, I guess, and the one that everyone sort of attributes to climate change. Um, It produces a a stable amount of electricity, or it produces, stable is probably the wrong word, but it produces an amount of electricity that's very easy to predict, you know, all the time. So that's good. And number two, we're not reliant on bringing gas from the Middle East, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, we basically have our fuel rods and they will produce our nuclear power. You know, the problem with the fact we are so reliant on gas and we're producing hardly any ourselves is that if someone gets really angry with us, they can just turn off the switch and then we have no gas. Mm -hmm. So we are, we're very reliant on other countries for our power. And I've got a really, so quite compelling um, argument for so the late physicist from uh, Cambridge um, physicist David David McKay makes a very and this is actually a very interesting YouTube video so what he does he basically sets out all the different um, ways that you know we need to get the, the, the supplies of energy the, the, the levers mm-hmm. to generate it um, ways we can generate it um, what are the pros and cons of each source uh, and how do we sort of move forward and based on his facts and research, so um, he basically splits the... So say if I was to kind of look at the, the landmass of the UK, mm-hmm. because, say, wind and, and solar, you need a lot of space. Yeah, it's quite dispersed, yeah, yeah. right? So on, on his figures, based on... Our, and, and don't forget, this is not just um, powering our houses and businesses. It's also the, the transportation um, energy required, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then for transport to be using renewable energy, you need to switch over to electric. So actually, you yeah. need to generate or hydrogen. Third, or hydrogen, potentially. Um, but he, he splits it on watts per meter squared of effective space used and the, ge- and, and the electricity um, source that, that mm-hmm. is used to generate it. So he, on, on his workings, basically wind and solar, so wind, for example, uh, only generates 2.5 watts per meter squared. Mm-hmm. So, so if we just use wind power to satisfy the UK demand, we'd have to kind of have... Cover the whole of the UK. Or the North Sea. <laughs> yeah. um, and likewise for solar, 5 to 20 watts per meter squared. Okay. But nuclear power, interestingly, is 1,000 watts per meter squared. So actually, you know, if you upped the, the amount of uh, power stations, mm-hmm. so double it or treble it, you'd have enough there to kind of, you know, do all of your demand. I t- yeah, I think, I think that... And- it's quite telling that, but I think the one of the other issues that we haven't really talked about is, you know, we're, we're moving towards smaller generations. So we're talking about roofs generating power, wind turbines. You know, I can have a wind turbine that our end of nowhere, it's producing electricity. If I have a nuclear power plant, that is, you know, big and a massive part of the grid. We're very, very reliant on that all of a sudden. But becoming, you know, if we're trying to move towards this decentralised power grid then the thought of nuclear doesn't really help that. Do you see what I mean? It's the next episode. So this is this is how to um, and, and this is how future nuclear scientists are looking to tackle it. So um, basically a uh, couple couple of different ways. So um, it's recycling so so each 
Um, so when you use the nuclear fuel, it's it's obviously kind of an unstable isotope, mm -hmm. and and it's still kind of emitting radiation yeah. and, and things like that. So um, by recycling that and and um, using using with other fuel sources, uh, they've found a way to basically uh, reharvest some of that energy potential, but also drastically reduce the the nuclear waste, but also produce it in power plants that are a fraction of the size. But okay. I guess that's one for for for, the, for for a future nuclear episode. So I think there are um, technological ways around it. But you're completely right in in, in its uh, in its current <laughs> format. Um, yeah, building for sure twenty Hinkley Point C's is is not going to work because you know if you build it in I don't know the corner of South West Wales, you're still going to have to get it to you know yeah. northeast of England. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got the transmission losses, and mm -hmm. it just you know it doesn't work. So so obviously it's going to have to be much more practical um but but cost cost conscious way as well so it's just gonna have to work on, on on the costs um so that's the that's the kind of way forward um that there are um i was gonna say um lost my train of thought <laughs> that's right i mean so in terms of nuclear i think this is the first of a few podcasts we're gonna we're gonna do i mean we're not probably gonna do them every week but it's a really interesting topic, and there are, the debate rages on whether you should consider it clean or dirty technology. Just if there's a thorium scientist out there who, yes. who advocates thorium and molten salt reactors, mm. give us a comment or give us a shout because it'd be really interesting to to hear their point of view. And that's the kind of area of nuclear technology that is that is being developed. Yeah, basically scalable nuclear power plants. Is it, that's yeah, molten salt's pretty cool, quite clever. But I think the problem is because of the um, because of all of the the kind of the ne the perceived negativity and the safety concerns which you know Harry's sort of laid out to us um, that those concerns are not really there you know you know we've had the isolated incidents they are still s safer nuclear power plants still safer and emission free compared to the hydrocarbons which you know generate sulfur dioxide and all the kind of dirty but I guess I, I think for me there's still that fundamental that if if you so the disasters so far have been relatively small, but if you're building, it tends to be kind of newer means bigger. Is that fair? So this Hinkley C, if that were to go wrong in a spectacular way, it's not going to be like twenty people and a hundred people having cancer. It could be many thousands. True, but um, I mean, there's there's a lot of ways for a lot of things to go wrong. No, agreed, <laughs> agreed. But I but I wonder whether that's maybe what sticks in the public conscience that that the thought that if it goes wrong, it could go spectacularly wrong. Yeah, definitely. Everything then, else I mean, is kind there, of there contained. Are, the dangers of it are very real, even though I think that in the public consciousness there there are a lot you know they're, they're crazy. You see zombie movies in Chernobyl because the people think that everybody has six heads or whatever where actually there's very little evidence for that yeah um well there we go and i was just so on the on the um what you're saying about the, the the warheads that's probably a bit more of a concern because you know if the wrong person pushes a button then that's a... i mean the warheads thing is 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 interesting so north korea they wanted nuclear power and for a variety of very good reasons were, were basically told they couldn't have it if they had to have it, if we had given them it, they'd have had to prove that they weren't developing nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. and they'd have but it's easy to prove that, because you can say, we're not doing it. 
but still be doing it. But I mean, they still would have been held to a certain standard yeah. there. No, I know. Which I they're not, and that's you know, it's an interesting um, way to think about it. Hmm. Cool. I, um, I think that is our first nuclear podcast over. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what people say about this because I've got a feeling we're going to have people really piling in and commenting. So that's absolutely fine. Do and give us your thoughts and we'll try and sort of discuss them when we next next visit it. All of the sources for all of the um, numbers and statistics stated will be on the That's good. Please do that. So we get margin less phone calls. Yeah, and then links to, um, I think it's yes, worth, worth linking to... Um, Your man. No, there's, there's, there's another chap, Californian, for Michael Schellenberg. So he was a massive advocate of uh, renewable and, and green energy. Um, and he's changed his mind. So it's, it's worthwhile a, a link. He has a very good TED Talk on that um, and uh, some of our information has come through that. Okay. But it's important to, yeah, look at both sides. So, yeah, hopefully over the future episodes we'll be kind of examining in a bit more detail. Cool. Well, listen, guys, thank you for listening or watching, if you're watching on YouTube. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, and we will we'll see you next week. Thank you.